Wait, are you gaming on a Chromebook? Yeah, it's got a high-res 120 hertz display, plus this killer RGB keyboard. And I can access thousands of games anytime, anywhere. Stop playing. What? Get out of here. Huh? Yeah, I want you to stop playing and get out of here so I can game on that Chromebook. Got it. Discover the ultimate cloud gaming machine, a new kind of Chromebook. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. The grade cricketer is a Twitter stream. It's about playing cricket at the grade level. It's a tough, mean, dirty, dirty business being a grade cricketer. A lot of cricketers, you know, that's all they know. They've mm. done it since they're 10 and they have a deep-seated fear of change. But the grade cricket is all about being the most alpha version of yourself as possible at all costs and at all times. I don't bat or bowl. I just feel the gully, count the number of dot balls in a row, sledge 15 yards, make me feel better about myself. Thanks, Thanks champ. champ. Oh, no, you called me champ. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Great Cricketer Podcast on the Diamantina Podcast Network. Australia claimed the series 2-0, but even better than that, England have lost their series over there in the West Indies 2-0 as well. The Big Bash is still going on. It's still a thing that's going on. There's only about a month and a half left, I think, and 25 more matches. Do we talk about that? I don't know. Let's see what happens. Glenn Maxwell's on the show. Mm. That's huge and true. We found that out about 15 minutes ago. So let's prepare for that as we uh, dissect segment one here. Uh, uh, Ben Jones also on the show. That's all before we answer your questions using hashtag AskTJC. I will preface the AskTJC is that we have the greatest question of all time Mm. that's ever been written into us. Stick around. So um, maybe just skip everything and just get head to there because it's – we haven't haven't spoken about it yet but I'm – but we're all desperately excited to speak about it because can't it's, wait to see what happens, mate. Mm. And the story's been confirmed as well. So um, yeah. anyway, uh, like Higgins, su- such was the question that we've actually had to take some journalistic license and double check. That's right. Uh, triple check. Yes. Quadruple check. That is the voice yeah. of Sam Perry and Dave Edwards is also here, uh, boys. Mm. Um, ha- happy New Year and um, happy Chinese New Year. I think that was last night. Year of the pig. Year of the pig is it? And uh, didn't Australia dine out? <laughs> hate myself yeah already <laughs> greatly no yeah. seriously do yeah just well you what well, you predicted 500s he goes mm. uh for the australian side it was only four mm. so one off uh another failure from the australian batsman again mm. but uh <laughs> yeah. yeah we were at it we were out at canberra we saw that wicket uh mm. on day one once yeah. um travis head and joe burns got set and gee it really it really was uh, we've kept, how many times have we said this summer that mm. We're watching grade cricket, but yeah. it was grade cricket. It was just full – anything just, full drive, anything mm. short pull in the middle, uh, just let it go, mm. block it, or just drive it. Uh, that's what Joe Burns and Travis Head did, and uh, Sri Lanka were decimated once well, again. Well, they did get a lot of runs. I mean, but what do we derive from this? I mean, yeah. we need to derive learnings and, and feelings Always. Um, from Always. everything in life, but particularly test cricket. I mean – it's good that the lads were able to get around each other and share in some success and, and <laughs> yes. sing the team song, which is um, uh, I only just found out it actually derives from a, a, a poem 
Mm. Um, yeah. I think by Henry Lawson. Yeah. Right. About the Eureka Stockade. Yeah. Um, just a little fact there. But um, is there an issue with the line saying a native of my native land? That's just that doesn't need to be answered right now. I just it's crossed my mind. I see where you're going with that. Yeah. Um, it's just, probably I'm just for leaving time. it out there. Just leave it there. Yeah. yeah. Pick it up, someone. Um, Who's David Boone on Channel Seven saying a native of my native land? Firstly, the image of a sprig of wattle in his hand, mm. uh, that's incongruous to me. But then Do we want to do the full lyrics if people don't know? Because otherwise we're just talking, we're talking smack. How does it go? Yeah, I've never won a test for Australia. Under, under the Southern so the Cross, cross I, I stand, a sprig of wattle, wattle in, in my hand, hand a native, native of, of my native land, land Australia, Australia, you fucking, you fucking beauty. beauty. And then someone yells out... It, uh, it was Little again. Beauty, but then I think Rod Marsh actually changed Little to Fucking. Yeah, the official lyrics yeah. are Little. Yeah. Well, a good club song always needs some swearing, some new, new anger in there mm. because winning is not enough. It's better than the North Sydney club song, which is <laughs> We All Good Full of Bob Hope and Never Gallons of Pig's mm. Ears. Never understood which is, it. Yeah, we get, mm. we get stoned mm. and drink beers. Just to go back to Edo's point of what are our learnings from all of this, yes. I, I, I have uh, some some... I don't know if it's just grievances. me, but like I have some grievances. Or just like uh, my takeaways are only negative mostly. Um, in that we were three for twenty-eight in mm. the first innings against the swinging new ball. Right. Some really, really mm. bad shots were being right. played against the new ball. Labuschagne yeah. wasn't a bad shot. To be fair, he was out defending on the front foot. So, um, but uh, there was that, and also I kind of took away that like how flat the pitch three was. for in the second innings too. Three from the second three innings for as shit well. in the second innings. <laughs> <laughs> People used to say three for not many, but then Rod Marsh actually said. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If in doubt, just add a swear word. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I, my takeaway was that like um, it wasn't so much that Burns, Head and Patterson scored hundreds. That's how flat the wicket was. It was actually how flat the wicket was and how bad the bowling was that Kawaja score 100 for mine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like still Australia's best batsman available at the moment, in my opinion. He's had an awful summer oh. and, he, and he spoke during the test matches you know, about how important that 100 was for him and like all the things going off the field. He's obviously clearly... Obviously, clearly, got more mm. things going on that are more important than a game of cricket at the moment, i.e. his brother um, being arrested under terrorism charges. Mm. Um, so that's it's probably... Sexual escapades, yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So there's... Just so the love triangle got wrong, gone mm. wrong, and then the AFP got involved. Yeah. It's happened to all of us. Were you guys mm. surprised that people were talking about, you know, that's an important 100 for him because, like, otherwise he wouldn't have been selected in the Ashes? That seems remarkable to I'm me. Not, I'm not um, surprised that that is a thing that people would say. Sure. But... but well, I mean, right, like it was so that the what like Sri Lanka's attack. I mean, I wanted to talk about Sri Lanka's attack in relation to like some of the worst test cricket yeah. you've seen. Yeah, like where does it rank with yes. like Wendy's a couple of years ago? Yeah, uh, when Vo just mm. dined out, and like you don't want to be disrespectful mm. to the Sri Lankan side or anything like yeah. that. They're yeah. guests, you know, they came here. Yeah, that's mm. right. It's a long way to come to Australia. We should welcome them, but part let's also of, yeah. eviscerate them publicly now. Well, part of the yeah. – like, it, it's mainly a backslap to Australia who were abject against India, etc. And mm. so it's kind of like if Australia's succeeding against you uh, so much, you yeah. must really be struggling because, we were, like we said – in Canberra, you know, Sri Lanka were just absolutely decimated from top to toe, both like in mm-hmm. their playing ranks. They were mm-hmm. they were playing their second attack after the mm. their first team attack uh, were injured. The coach mm. stopped being a selector. You know, some of the like Malinga's wife was having a go at Pereira mm. uh, for being selected on political grounds in the T mm. Twenty side. Uh, what else were we saying? You know, Gideon Haig said that uh, they were going through more um, coaches than um, dr- uh, Spinal Tap did drummers. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, the Economic Intelligence Unit rated Sri Lanka, the, <laughs> the, the country that had retreated most from democracy, yeah. uh, and was still three for twenty. You know, and, the, and they lost the toss in Canberra, yeah. Yeah, so they just right. they couldn't take a trick. The poor guys. Still oh, so got us three for end of a t- end of a tour. 
yeah. where they had just lost 3-0 at home to England, then went yeah. to New Zealand, got pumped mm. over there, then came to Australia, decimated the tag. I, I actually cannot remember a worse test team that's ever come to yeah. Australia. I actually, I honestly can't yeah. remember. And like, Which we're only saying to contextualise Kawaja's 100, right? It's not yes. really about, like Sri Lanka have bigger fish to fry at the moment with mm. respect to them. Yeah. It's about what do these hundreds mm. mean? Well, well do, yeah. not only what do the hundreds mean, what do the wickets mean as well? Mm. I mean, Mitchell Stark suddenly came into form. I mean, great timing. 10 for 100, which <laughs> oh, I knew you would love. Oh. The cleanliness oh. of that. Oh, oh. please. Just triggers Wipe my OCD big time. Mm. But, you know, I mean, right now, coming into form in the last test, in the most meaningless test of the summer, yeah. um, does it mean anything? Edos, it means nothing. Good. And here's, everything. Here's <laughs> <laughs> no, here's why. Yeah. Uh, Go on. First of all, like, Schleicher, like, didn't. I mean, Kunaratne, like, test opening batsman of the year, please. Mm. Honestly, please. Uh, second of all, Mitchell Stark doesn't he just love bowling to left-handers? He's got a great, he's got a great record against Sri Lanka, yeah, yeah, yeah. I noticed. But also, just like left-handers, it, batting left-handers is cheating. You guys know that's in my stance for a long period of time. If Brabham mm. batted left-handed, he would never be out. He would have averaged four hundred and seventy-three. Mm. Um, left-handers, like the the one thing, the one weird trick that you do to get left-handers it is <laughs> yeah. come round the wicket because I don't like it when the ball angles in. Yeah. I.e., like how every single right-hander has to bat. Yeah, they don't like that. Do so they? left, so Mitchell Stark, left-hander, left-hander, yeah. like. I wouldn't say he bowled out of his skin. Mate, that's harsh because he's taken 10 wickets in a test match. But I'm saying, like, he loves buying left-handers. Mm. Sri Lanka weren't great. His tenfer is the easiest tenfer he'll ever get. He cheated. <laughs> and, <laughs> and just the way that the Australians carry themselves after getting these wickets as well. Like, there, there really did seem to be a return to the mm. chest-out, aggressive yeah. kind of Australia that we, yeah. we fell in love with. You know, <laughs> they'd come back suddenly. You know, it only took, a, a, you know, a test match or two test matches against a depleted mm. Sri Lanka team to get that mojo back. Yeah. And so we'll obviously carry that into the next test which is seven months away mm. <laughs> the thing about exactly. the thing about Stark exactly. is that he just like he just bowls 150s like, yeah. like it was it was yeah. raw yeah, pace just these ones. it was just too quick for them just that he just bowls these ones mm. yeah the 150s but yeah like it, it, he was still spraying them around a little bit uh yeah i i don't know i mean it them i've heard this i think it was on the final word podcast a okay. good podcast they yeah. were um, equating Mitchell Stark with like a Stuart McGill type bowler. Like there's a mm. lot of rubbish there, but he still bowls a very high right. volume of wicket-taking deliveries and he still is very effective against the lower order who are extremely scared of facing him because mm. he's very fast at bowling. Well, so like yeah. it's very difficult to ignore that. Yeah. Can, can we just quickly talk a little bit about that? Like, I mean, the way that yes. we got kind of aggressive again, I hadn't seen that the whole summer mm. and is there anything in that? I mean, we kind of started bullying them. In yeah. that last test, Sri Lanka. Well, I didn't we, like we, it. we reverted to type. I didn't we like did it. revert to type. I mean, like, even Nathan Lyon was chirping. Yeah. You know, the stump camp mics were picking it. that stuff up. Clearly, uh, so much better than them, and they're a very yeah. depleted side at the Hitting moment. It's like when um, when Germany beat Brazil seven one in the mm. World Cup semis. Mm. Like they kind of stopped after a while, mm. like because they just didn't want to make it ridiculously embarrassing. Which you know, we can make the jokes about it, going, "Oh, well, you know, you should." Put the foot on the throat, etc. Mm. But like, they're clearly going to win, and you just you. What bothers me with that kind of behaviour, or just the sense that it was creeping up again, is that like, oh, is this is this going to be our style again? If we mm. start winning, are we going to start yeah. becoming these people, and we're going to start doing this like self fulfilling prophecy where we have to be bullies to be successful, yes. and the more we stick the chest out, the more we're going to win? It, it, have we not learned that it doesn't? Work no, like that. F- just be good at your skills. No, the further your chest protrudes from your body, <laughs> mm. 
Well, I don't know how to finish that sentence. No, there's a formula in that. Yeah. You know, chest pr- well, protrusion just, equals wind. I yeah. did notice Mitchell Stark just like before the test match, just standing up a little taller, and I thought he's going to have a good yeah. test match. Yeah, yeah, and I thought he's getting reading yeah. Jordan Peterson. Yeah. <laughs> they should actually, you know, that would be something Trent Copeland could do uh, with his yeah. with his screen. Like, how tall is Mitchell Stark standing at the moment? How far is his chest pointing out? And you could actually yeah. get some like hypotenuse of that <laughs> going on, you know, from the top Mitchell of his Stark's head body through like, throughout chest. the test. It's like that evolution chart we see from the gorilla. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was thinking when, when Glenn McGrath was doing the difference between him like getting a bit low in his action and getting taller. That was actually just yeah. about chest yeah. and evolutionary just development. And like yeah. feet charts behind him. <laughs> That's what I want to see. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. Ben Pez. Jones made a graph like that. I, I think that like what happened to Australia in that they were obviously in a very tough uh, series before this one against India and essentially were um, – Humiliated is a strong word, mm. but they they played outplayed, they outplayed mm. significantly for the first time probably in since 2011 in mm. the Ashes when they came mm. out here when England won out here. Just like we just so underperformed in mm. Sydney and Melbourne that like that would have been a hit to the ego, and then all of a sudden we're just like, yeah, we're good again. Yeah, and just like that, like how quickly it switched between okay, we're going to bounce them again, we're going to get. I mean, like to be fair, Sri Lanka did have a bit of chat out there. The uh, mm. keeper Dick Weller Dick was well. talk, was talking to uh, Kawaja about you know having the same fate as the Marsh brothers, right? Yeah. So even he's on the meme now, yeah, um, which is obviously the height of cricket comedy. It was funny, like th- there were so few people at Monica, which by the way is a great place to watch cricket. I mean, on the last day that like. Uh, you know, both broadcasters turned up the stump marks and you could hear it. And, like, in the Australian's defence, it did cross my mind that, like, with all of this pontificating we do about their behaviour and bullying and where they got to pitch it and stuff, like, mm. they're just, like, young guys who eat cricket balls. And all yeah. they – like, like yeah. you know, once the guy – once Cummins bowls a bouncer and Payne takes it and, you know, Labuschagne's under the lid, like, he doesn't weigh up the – you know, with that like weird meme where you've got all the formulas and stuff oh, rolling around. Yeah, up. yeah, the brain lights yeah, up. Nice. Like he's he's just a young guy who's played cricket his whole life and and is winning. Yeah. He's just a competitive man who wins yeah. Yeah. and just wants to become he's got cheeky a as a result. Memory trigger when something happens on a cricket field, yeah. he must say the thing that he's always said. Yeah, and and yeah, that's right. Like going through all rep cricket and stuff growing mm. up and just being cocky. Like that, yeah. that's just how we've been taught to play cricket. Um, mm. So, so I, I don't think they weigh all these things up. They just probably have lost for so long. Once they started to win a little bit, they probably got a bit, a bit excited. Yeah, and enough. they would have, I'm sure, in the in the post match as well with Justin Langer because that's his first mm. series that he's mm. won in any oh, yeah. format, isn't it? As a, mm. as a coach, mm. as an Australian coach, yeah, yeah, as an Australian coach. Um, just uh, back to the batting in the first inning. So Joe Burns, 180. Yeah. Um, it's funny because he scored 180 cricket runs in a Test match, but my takeaway was that he, when he was facing the new ball on the second day when he was on 180 cricket runs. He got bowled trying to leave a ball that was swinging outside the off stump and I was thinking like, oh, there's a little omen for England. So he's like, he's just got a, his highest ever test score, mm. played his fourth test time for Australia, but it's yeah. so well on that first day, but then he gets out like that and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's probably going to... Uh, I don't think that was the most worrying one uh, of those who played away from their bodies. Like, I mean, I think that's uh, what yeah. we were all thinking when we were three for in the first innings. Yeah. Like the way Kawaja got out was like, oh, uh, like... We've oh, all no. got out that way and when you get out that way, you're like, it's because you hate cricket and <laughs> you've hated cricket for a long time. In the first innings. Yeah, and you're yeah. desperately out of form. And yeah. like, uh, you're just feeling at it, you want to get bat on ball yeah. and, and you just end, oh, up, end up looking Marcus, horrific Because it's all process. about who's going to be the opener with Warner, right? Yeah. Marcus Harris is just like, his, his back couldn't have been further away from his body I, if you put one out there and you yeah. just think Anderson's going to kill us. I, I th- I've got a thing with Harris, it's like he seems to be just out of the – Selectors, well, like most people's tips He's for the a now. But like, 
to me, he's been the find of the summer. Uh, you know, mm. like Travis Head was playing beforehand, but yeah. I think in terms of the batsmen who have played, and I thought he played really well against an excellent Indian tack, a couple mm. of 50s in there. Mm. I think he's done enough to, probably I mean, he, regressed. He, probably, he, probably, he probably has regressed. Yeah, he's probably missed out. Probably in better form in the... Um, but was the ball mm. moving around in the India series as much... Yeah. Was it? Well, I mean, because he's going to go to England. The ball is going to move around. It's going to laterally move around in mm. the air and off the seam. <laughs> well, this is him. like that's a very really interesting point. So he's saying like the way India bowl wasn't necessarily to like hoop. It was just to mm. be relentless uh, and just probably yeah. nibble it, I mm. guess. But like, mm. and this is a thing, right? Like we always talk about horses for courses when it comes to Australian selection policy, and like they started to adopt that again when it came to coming to in, going to India. Yeah. And with some success as well. That's where like Glenn Maxwell mm. got runs and that's when they sort of put – even under Lehman, they put away that idea of pushing the game forward. They were yep. prepared to use metrics like um, ball consumption Moses and stuff. Player. And, you know, Ed Cowan would often talk about like um, facing the second most amount of balls when he was over there and being really proud of that and letting the game develop that way. But we don't talk about horses for courses – in relation to England, that mm-hmm. much when it comes to batting, we talk about oh yeah, maybe we'll With take bowling, ja- we do. maybe we'll take Jackson Bird, mm-hmm. yeah, you because know, mm-hmm. he nibbles it. But beyond that, we don't talk about it when it comes to batsmen. So like, I think we've done it. Sorry, sorry, Pez. I, I, we've done it once in the recent years, and that was Chris Rogers. Rogers. <laughs> yeah, although and, he and, was and like, Renshaw might be a chance if he goes over and plays some county, right? Well, mm-hmm. like Renshaw's kind of seen as an English so bats- well, English I don't conditions know. batsman. I don't, I don't know where Renshaw is in there, um, in the selectors' minds. And I feel like he's one of these guys who has to do like double what everybody else does. Mm. Uh, but like, uh, yeah, I mean, Curtis Patterson impressed me in that respect. Like he was prepared to let balls go outside off stump um, even when they were at like 121 k's mm. an hour. You yeah. felt like he could just get on the front dog and smash it, but he still just let it go, let it go. His bat very rarely got outside his body. Like I, I would – Going out on a limb and say, like, after Smith and Warner, he, to me, seems to have the technique most suited to succeed over there. But, like, even even some of the guys who succeeded without naming names, I, you know, they, they look very nicky-nicky to me. It's mm. <laughs> a Kerry O'Keefeism. Um, something we should talk about as well is um, Will Pekofsky, um left the, right. left the match mid-test, um, again, for uh, mental health reasons. I mean... Uh, I think we, I think we might have mentioned it before. He scored 200 against uh, Western Australia there um, earlier on this summer, and then didn't play again for a little while because he, he had some time away from cricket uh, for mental health reasons. Again, then he came back into the squad. He was, he was a bit of a surprise selection um, for the Gabba Test match. Then was usurped after Curtis Patterson scored 200s against mm. uh, the Sri Lanka team down there in Hobart, mm. um, and then and then he's sort of gone away again. So I mean, I, you'd have to say this is um, it's concerning for for, mm. for Will. As, as much as anyone else, yeah? Yeah, I think it, it goes beyond cricket, doesn't it? And I think quite quite clearly, um, and hopefully CA sees it this way as well, you wonder why. Um, you wonder if it was right to select in them in the first place. And, you know, we're all there. We're all learning and CA probably is learning as well too. But all you can do is just hope that he gets his... Um, uh, he, you know, he looks after himself and gets his mental health in yeah. order and does what he needs to do to sort himself out there. Um, mm. Beyond that, I wouldn't be expert enough to um, make any judgments on what that means for any test series coming well, up no, or anything. Of course, yeah, yeah. Everyone's been talking about was it the right move to yeah. select him or was it actually like a PR move that just backfired massively? I mean, did they ever mm. really envisage picking him or was he just going to be in the squad so people would get around him and he in turn could be got around them? I think they did. He was genuinely (laughs) thought about playing in the the test matches. I think Mm. the the word was that he was due to play until Curtis Patterson's, um, Mm. you know, blinding. But then uh, you can't really 
I mean, then the selectors obviously picked Patterson because mm. he hit runs and then he hit runs in the test. So that selection was justified. Yeah. So yeah. it's been an interesting summer yeah. for the selectors. And I think Greg Chappell's actually stepping down um, at yeah, the end so of I, I, the I Ashes. I this. He, yeah, like he, he announced that he mm. was stepping down at the end of the Ashes, which yeah. is just a so – to a me nice it's just little, a strange um, – time to announce like did, did we need like we obviously want an all expenses trip to the uk which well, that's is what we all want don't we all want yeah mm. we want that we'll address that later in the show i think well um the uk is obviously fresh in the mind uh we you know australia have to go to india and i say have to go because they're mm. going to play two 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 contractual obligations 20 yeah. matches then Can't five odis in february and then march um and then the world cup then the ashes so uh what's happening with uh what's happening with the england team at the moment well they got absolutely pumped again um to the point where like they uh, we're seeing to chase 13 to win i think it was in the fourth they're always of the great game. run chases aren't they? and then i forget the opening batsman name who just absolutely bombed jimmy anderson for like this slog to finish the game over over like cow corner for six yeah. Uh, and then it was just you know, celebrations all around. Uh, Brian Lara posting on Instagram. I noticed this morning saying this is the country that our people needed. Oh. Um, obviously referring to you know since the fire festival fell apart, um, yeah. they've been yeah. looking for They're looking for the wins where you can get them. Mm. Yeah, it's the same thing. Oh, it's exciting to see the West Indies. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Cricket. I mean, cricket needs a strong West Indies. 100%. I've always said that, yep. and I'll keep saying it. Yep. Please um, don't stop. Okay. I mean, it is equally concerning for England that the. The results over there. I mean, their top order. Do they even have one? Yeah, like they. We don't have one, but they don't have one either. <laughs> Are we all just going to be three for? Yeah, forever? I think so. We're um, three for consistently. So England obviously bowled out for seventy-seven in that first uh, test match in the first inning of the first obviously. test match. In this test match, they'll bowl out for one eighty-seven and one thirty-two. So. Um, no, no one is scoring runs over there for them, mm. um, which is a remarkable. Because I, I mean, we said it before, they bat so deep. I mean, Sam Curran has played both these Test matches. He's got one wicket. Mm. Um, that's interesting as well. I've seen him bowling before. He, he, he does he does bowl well with the Duke's ball, but then who doesn't over there? You know. So, um, can we, can Australia take anything? I, I just find that this is like this is it's this too is, early. I mean, you're, shaking, to be... you're shaking your head, Pez, and just like it won't matter. Anderson Broad swung song, and that's you're completely right. Say. And you're completely right when you say that. What you were thinking, and anyway, and let me tell, <laughs> let me tell you what you were thinking. And um, um, but I just wonder, like this is this is leading into what is supposed to be the biggest English summer of. I mean, have they ever had a big English no, summer? They, they, they they're supposed to win the Ashes and they're supposed to win the World Cup. Yeah. And this is leading. This is the test series leading into that golden period, and mm. they've been absolutely. Or are they crushed. timing their run? Mm. Are they just you know they've? This doesn't matter. Nothing matters here. We're, maybe we're peaking too early with that last test. Mm. Yeah, mm. like the I idea. Don't know. Like I don't if you're playing really, if you're playing really good cricket, <laughs> yeah. like well, you can't sustain that. It's no. better to lose now. I think yeah. so. Get him out of the way. Well, I reckon they've got a bit of an issue at the top of the order as well up in the batting. When they so Keaton Jennings didn't play in this game. Uh, Denley and is he any good? Rory, Who is he? Rory Burns, Burns yeah. opened the batting. So I just think ever since Cook left, there is like a lack of stability there. I mean, Cook wasn't amazing for the last probably couple of years of his career, but he's still that greatest ever run mm. scorer. So you take that, you take that away. And there, I think there's some instability there. So I who think are these like, blokes? Rory Burns, Joe Denley, mm. Keaton Jennings. Yes. Mm. What, what, what would you like to know about them? Yeah. I just, yeah. Who, like, are, who they? are they? Yeah. yeah. yeah like, they play for the England cricket what team. What school did they, they go to? Joe, Den- Joe Denley played a lot of uh, grade cricket at the Tigers yeah. uh, right. in Sydney. Yeah, so he's a grade cricketer. Mm. Jennings I've heard of. So he's been there for a little – is he the most re- – like is he the one with the most experience? Have they all played about 10 tests max each? Joe Denley debuted in the West Indies yeah. after scoring a lot of first-class runs. Mm. Keaton Jennings is just, you're just right. seeking a profile yeah. now on air. Yeah. No, I'm just trying to educate the listeners. I know all this information. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Ha <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, Keaton Jennings is actually probably the most experienced there. He's got a hundred in Dubu in India. Yeah, he's got a couple. He's of been hundreds. in and out a few times. Yeah. Anyway, my point is that like uh, England's middle order looks very strong to me. But if Australia can take some wickets for the new ball, I mean, we're talking about a Test series which is seven months away. You know, what could possibly mm. happen between now and then? Mm. Um, World War Three. <laughs> mm. Yeah, because Brexit's still to yeah. come. Twenty nine gen- uh, March. This generation of cricketers will be known yeah. as the generation that played during a war. Mm. There's so- there's something going on with England, and I just I I can see them fucking it up. I don't know. You think so? I, I, there's just something about it. I don't have complete... I think if England win the World Cup, I think it'll be England-India final. Yeah. I haven't seen how the draw is going to pan yeah. out. But like, um, but like India, to beat India in a one-day tournament is yeah. going to be quite something. They could do that. But yeah. like, uh, I, I just... I don't know. There's something in the air, Pez. It's, so, it's really funny, you know. Like, I, I, when you, you're talking air, about yeah. what the Sri Lanka runs mean, what they mean is like they're just going to... Those like stimulus package runs, as you mm. referred to, Dave, in mm. Canberra, um, and excellently so, like will be used to justify certain statistics in about six months' time. I don't mm. think we're going to really we're going to have we've got recency bias at the moment. Yeah. I don't think we'll even remember really what happened with England West Indies in a couple of months' time. I think that we'll just be focused on um, the who steps up at the World Cup under the bright lights of, uh, you know, the like global population and then there's an Australia A tour to, the, to England and I think that will count for a lot. And I think if somebody, like, really dominates Shield with the Duke ball, mm. uh, you know, in parentheses, I think that will carry a lot of weight. I, I, I'm not sure, like, Burns is the, – the longer we go uh, – Beyond this test match, um, the more Burns' 180, for example, will mm. lose currency. Uh, as much as I'd like to see him selected, I think he should open with Warner. And I think it's the same with England. Like I just think there are so many stories between now and August 1 at Edgebaston that will kind of influence well, our views on who should play. Payne's already been kind of coming out and talking about how Warner and Smith are effectively they're going to play, even though he's not a selector, Payne, yeah. they're playing. So yeah. in everyone's minds, they're playing. We've just got to yeah. find four more blokes to bat around them. Yeah. And so who – I mean, I think, like, Head will play. They will They will pick him. I think um, I think Kawaja will play because they will – uh, like, unless he has a disastrous sh- shield season or whatever um, or goes really badly in the World Cup because he's back in that ODI side. Mm. Like, I think they'll think – they'll their view of him will be that, well, with Warner and Smith around him, he'll probably carry a little bit less – Burden as well might be able to be a bit freer in the way he was because Travis Head was scoring runs. So I think those two spots are done. So that's four batsmen. So there's two right. to go, and one will be who opens with sure Warner, and then who bats six. And I think I think Curtis Patterson should be one of those guys. And I think who opens with um, Warner will be the interesting one. Because when you just say that team, just like how we just mapped out that team, yeah. team then obviously the bowlers, the bowlers, and, and Tim Payne's the wicketkeeper. Mm. Like that's. That's a pretty good international cricket team that yep. we're taking over to England. Yeah, and like, and and probably the biggest things are is how that Warner and Smith will be reintegrated into the team and how yep. they will go in the pressure <laughs> of like the UK press, the UK yeah. crowds, all that kind yep. of stuff. But if there's like someone, I think I think of those of the two guys who are going to come back in, Warner and Smith. I think Smith might struggle with that more. Don't think I think Warner has got like me against the world kind of mentality that actually might see him succeed. Mm. Um, I mean, like. I know mm. he scored a lot of runs in grade cricket. So these you know. guys, you know, <laughs> yeah, we were talking yeah. about this yesterday. Like these guys, they're going to be more hammered by Fleet Street than any Australian is side. Fleet Street still a thing, yeah, it is. Even yeah. with online yeah. newspapers, yeah, for sure. It's okay, cool. But the Fleet con- Street press, yeah. the Fleet, but like, Fleet yeah. Street will kill them. Evening and like, Standard. I don't think they laugh at themselves enough. This Aussie side, and they've got to learn how to laugh at themselves because they're all okay. going to get absolutely like yeah. the, the shit. That Warner and Smith are going to get yeah, at yeah, Edgebaston yeah. is going to be yeah, unprecedented. Yeah, yeah. But, like, but, but surely that's like up to someone in the Australian setup. Just be like, you are not allowed to have a phone, and you're not allowed to look at any 
press. Like, you're like I think they've got, got to go the other way. They've got to own it. Like, like that's, the only way they will be able to counter England giving them shit is no. by getting rid of ego about it. Like, if they, if they get um, personally affronted, they will not survive. It'll be like Mitchell Johnson fucking times 10. But I think uh, Steve Smith's... And we can be part record. of that. Please, fly us over. Steve Smith's on record saying he doesn't read about himself and he would be well advised not to, I think. I don't think that you would... You know, tell him to engage. I don't think he's the kind of guy who will feed off, you know, a bit of banter between him and the English press. I think he's probably right to, mm. you know, keep a completely low profile and just autistically work on his batting. Mm. Um, and probably the same with Warner, lest he get into some kind of altercation. It's funny, he goes, they're all like, you're saying it's a, it's a, it's a good international side, but then mm. you can also go through each player individually and go like, I can see them getting out, I can see them getting yeah, out. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think like with the, with the England team, though, like the, there's, there's guys like playing for their careers there and like... F- I know in our mind, Stuart Broad is, you know, Trent Bridge, you know, 10 wickets mm. in 15 Shocked minutes. Shocked face. Shocked face, that kind of, that yeah. kind of gear. Like, he, he's a shadow of the bowl that he has been, like, yeah. undoubtedly. I mean, I, Anderson's, like, probably one of the most skilled bowlers who have ever played the game. Unbelievable skill, and he will do damage, without a doubt. Shouldn't take away, like, the skills of our bowlers yeah. either. Um, I feel like we're too quick. Our guys are too quick for the ball to even move off the wicket. Seriously, possibly it doesn't nibble enough. But like, can you imagine Broad running in and like they have the sound turned up and you can hear the edge Baston crowd going whoa, and then you hear like the sound of his feet on the ground. Mm. Nick, mm. like you know, that's pretty mm. much uh, to me. That's the ashes yeah. the demonstration you, like, you the gave. Then the yeah. actual feet yeah. hitting the, yeah. the turf at two, yeah. and like the crowd in the background. I don't know. I've oh, got nightmares. The symphony of English yeah. cricket. Yeah, I, I can't still wait think for about it. the noise that like. Um, Simon Jones yeah. made when he bowled Michael Clark leaving that so oh, he bought the, the stump the ball, yeah. and like the, the aesthetic yeah. of like I mean there's there's good and bad leaves I mean that rocket into off stump that's a good leave yeah. like it just looked <laughs> he was, so he covered pure it well. and good uh, and ball moved so much oh, but the sound of the, the ball sound, into the stump the clonk, was incredible the hollow clonk yeah. of it yeah. it's my ringtone it it's my ringtone Says Dave Edwards. All right. Well, that's our uh, that's our preview for the Acid Test match in uh, in seven mm. months' time. Yeah. Uh, ben Jones coming up. Then after that, we're going to have a chat with Glenn Maxwell. Are you upset that no one comes to watch you play cricket? Are you tired of no one appreciating you for the talented third grader you are? The Cricket Family is the first program dedicated to helping people like you feel relevant again. We have a database of over one thousand out of work actors who can come to your games and masquerade as your friend, girlfriend, wife, parents or grandparents, helping you create the perception that the people close to you actually care about what you do. Oh, great shot, Jason. I'm proud of you, son. The Cricket Family, helping cricketers feel relevant once again. We've wanted to get this bloke on the cast for quite a while. He's one of these new um, wunderkins, as we often talk about. <laughs> he's coming. He's, uh, he's he's part of the Crickviz crew who've basically shaken up everything that we've known about statistics in cricket and how dare they do so. Um, I understand that Ben here that we've got on is you know a, a whiz in his own right. He's come and delivered a few like editorials and articles that are statistically based that show that everything we've known about Australian cricket is wrong. Uh, and so we just want to get him on the cast to grill him about uh, what statistics actually are and how we've been getting it wrong for so long. Ben, welcome to The Grade Cricketer. No, oh, thanks, Sam. That's quite the introduction. <laughs> yeah, um, that's, that's, quite the, uh, that's quite the set-up in terms of saying that everything about Australian cricket is wrong. I think you guys would work that out for yourselves, to be honest. <laughs> um, I think you needed me to come in and do it and wait 
Um, yeah, obviously overly facetious from my end. But you're out in Australia at the moment, Ben. You're doing work with CrickViz that I understand provides some statistics to some of the broadcasters or, or Fox in particular. Um, you know, like how have you found it? How, how would you couch what CrickViz actually does? Um, and how was it kind of born? Where did it come from? Um, well, we've been around since uh, since 2015. Um, we're an analytics company and we do basically anything to do with cricket we will try and help it help out with uh, with stats and analysis we um like you say we work with broadcasters we work with fox in in australia we work with sky in in england um kind of looking to work with other broadcasters around the world as well um and we do work with professional teams we work with guys in the press box and different newspapers all over the world and stuff and it's it's that broad ranging at the moment because what we want to try and do is use all the data that we've got all of the kind of analytical insight and just put it into all the different contexts that people consume cricket so if you're watching on the telly and you want to get a bit more a bit more insight than a commentator can just glean from just glancing at a player then hopefully we can flash something up on a little ticker stat at the bottom mm. or if, if a journalist is writing a piece about how to get Glenn Maxwell and the test team then we can uh, <laughs> we can come in through and find some stats that support that um, and if your professional team is looking to recruit players then we can kind of mine our database and offer them some uh, some insights into who who they should sign, where they should use them, what like what batting order they should use for various things or strategies. So it's it's pretty broad our scope at the moment. Um we're we're a, we're a relatively small outfit but we're trying to do trying to do some big things. What are the kind of key statistics that um broadcasters and coaches are looking for? Like what do these guys want to be showcasing that you've got? I think the two are quite different. I think broadcasters are generally in the market for some big stuff that, like, shocking statistics that kind of catch the eye. So this summer, um, you might have seen on the bottom bottom of the Fox, Fox cricket screen when whenever Travis Head is batting, that he averages 30 against pace and 90 against spin. Mm. And I'll flash that up whenever I can. And it and it just it just emphasises, oh, okay, wow, he's extremely good against the one thing and extremely bad against the other. And that's kind of like a nice, juicy thing that commentators can latch on to and talk about. Whereas I think professional teams and coaches are um, for for quite reasonably far more interested in the kind of nuanced stuff of um, whether a player is good or bad off the back foot in the 2020, whether they work particularly well against spin in the middle overs, hitting sixes in the middle overs or rotating the strike, all that kind of stuff. And, the fact that we've got both is quite useful because it means we can tailor it to whatever the individual company want, um, and it just it means that whatever you're receiving is quite relevant and hopefully hopefully entertaining as well. So you guys are obviously responsible for this uh, WinViz, which is the first time that Australian audiences have been privy to this um, this data as well. Um, I, I think it's, I've seen it in New Zealand coverage as well. I'm pretty sure the UK. Can you tell us like the analytics behind like the that the go into the the ratio or the, the likelihood of one team? winning a game of cricket yeah like does it take into effect like uh relationships with fathers and stuff yeah. like that like your emotional state of yeah. play exactly absolutely yeah we are we are currently working on champers at the moment um, which obviously factors in <laughs> the uh, your other relationship that you've had with uh, with great cricket over the years and how that impacts yeah. on your ability to withstand yeah, like top it. level you should point cricket. out to the listeners um, that the great no, cricketer will be a majority stakeholder in that operation yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean you're you're 100 funding it i hope mm. yeah. <laughs> but the so, so the, the idea with winvis is it's a an incredibly kind of complex 
um, algorithm model that takes in all kinds of different feeds, all kinds of different data, from the kind of really simplistic stuff of what happens at the particular ground that the teams are playing at, all like through onto players' batting averages against the players that they are playing. So literally the head-to-heads of if um, if a player has a particularly good record against a particular a particular player coming up, then it takes that into account. But it basically just takes in all the things that you'd want it to and um, all the things that you're trying to consider and kind of holding your mind when you're thinking who's going to win from here. You're, you're half thinking, OK, well, it's a good deck and they need, uh, they need 12 and over from here. So that's kind of doable. But, and we'd kind of factor that in. And then we'd, factor, we'd like say, factor in particular um, kind of strands of a player's techniques. So if they go against pace, going to get spin. If it's a pace-heavy ground, if it's spin-heavy ground, all this kind of stuff. And sometimes it picks out broadly what you'd think and sometimes it kicks out stuff that you're saying actually that's that's gone against how i'm reading this game and i think it's more interesting when you get the latter because actually so for all of the the sri lanka test match at canberra we're looking at it and i think it was 80 percent australia at the start and then 90 percent by or 98 percent by the end of the day mm-hmm. and that feels instinctively a bit depressing yeah, <laughs> and so yeah. you might not see that on the broadcast because we don't really want to flash that up and say yeah. guys we know who's going to win you can shoot out but it's but it's, yeah. but it's really interesting in 2020 games especially when you think that you're you're kind of looking at a tight chase and you're trying to kind of frame it in your mind as, as to okay which way it's going to go and it's not it's not always um absolutely bang on but it's mm. right a lot of the time and i think mm. that's what that's what's quite nice about it is that we've learned down the years that we can rely on it more and more. Um, obviously, yeah. it's like all things that it develops and it gets better and it gets better over time. And hopefully, um, hopefully we'll see it a lot during the World Cup um, and during the Ashes. You guys will probably see it as well. And hopefully, we'll be seeing on the little uh, the little circle with them the, the gold of the Aussies and the blue of England. Hopefully, we'll be seeing a lot of blue um, with the ninety percent England by the year. I'm, I'm anticipating that at this stage. But it, like mm. I say, it, uh, it, it, it just tries to offer. Um, Again, just offer something slightly different to a commentator going, oh, I reckon, I reckon this. We're kind of the anti I reckon, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, so, so, can you tell me in your own personal view, Ben, maybe not the company line so much, like, what are the metrics that current, like the traditional metrics in cricket that you think are a bit overrated uh, or misguided or overused to justify particular viewpoints? Uh, and, are there any metrics that you think are kind of underutilised? And please don't answer. It's about how you use it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not allowed to mention the word context. No. Um, so what, what I would say, it, the obvious one is in something like in T20, batting averages are borderline irrelevant because it doesn't give you any information about what a player actually does. You want to look at, you want to go a bit deeper and almost like you think of it kind of forking off into how quickly they score and how often they get out. So in T20, I would never use batting averages to analyse a player if I was looking at whether to recruit them or whether we were looking to kind of pump up the tyres in, in a broadcast. We'd say, right, this is how quickly they score, so their runs per over or their strike rate, and, and their balls per, per dismissal. That gives a better insight already. Um, to be honest, I think batting averages are pretty, not useless, but they're a bit overrated across the board, um, even in test cricket, because it, it, it's not... <laughs> I'm using context in a very specific way here. Someone like Alistair Cook... He opens the batting in the hardest country in the world to open the batting, or did, sadly. Um, and he averaged just over 40. But you can look in the data and say that actually openers are working with about a 10-run disadvantage mm-hmm. into, across the board. So an opener really, if he batted at number four, 
would average about 10 more than he does as an opener. So it's already misleading because you're trying to compare apples and oranges. Um, I think there's a few other things as well in terms of ones that I like looking at um, in terms of um, like the ball tracking information. I find it fascinating to see how how much a player is swinging the ball on, e- on any given day because actually we can be watching it and thinking, oh yeah, Starkey's not he's not really moving it today and then we can look at the data and actually get that confirmed. I think that's a really useful metric because that backs up things that people who know far more about bowling than I do can say, oh yeah, he's lost his wrist position and actually you can say, yeah, empirically he is swinging the ball 0.3 degrees today. Last week when he was ripping, uh, ripping in the year apart, he was swinging it uh, 2 degrees and actually... That is such a useful performance metric because you can actually back up what you think rather than just having to go, well, you know, he, uh, he actually ended up taking three for 90. So he bowled absolutely fine because he averaged 30 on that day. Mm-hmm. And actually that doesn't mean anything. Whereas if you can look at how they're performing, I think that's a hell of a lot more useful. Dropped off. Dropped out. No, you're still there. No, I'm still there. Oh, oh yes, yeah, all right. We'll make a note of that. Mm. Um, yeah, I just, I just got bored and stopped talking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, I mean, recently there's been some interesting selections by the the Australian team in particular. Um, things like good bloke index, or how good are you are at getting around other people in the change room. Is that something that um, Crickviz takes into account? <laughs> Or should you? Yeah, yeah, it's all in there. It's all in there. I mean, it might not, um, it might not be the thing that we push forward the most. But yeah, getting around the boys is a key performance metric for all, the, for, for all teams around the world. But unsurprisingly, it is more Australian than anything else. <laughs> How do you express getting around the boys in a graph or, or, or data layout? What's the best chart. way? Is it a pie chart? Pie is chart it a Venn diagram? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's well, it's, it's kind of just a shape. It's just like a kind of blurry colour. It's, it's kind of beyond human understanding. We can't really put a number on it. Um, obviously, it's pretty, it's pretty intangible. Mm, just finally, Ben, are there any statistics that are kind of on the rise, you think, or any metrics on the rise that uh, you think will become more relevant to our understanding of cricket that perhaps aren't well understood just yet? Yeah, I think there are, there are quite a few, actually. So... Lots of people around the world, not just cricketers, do some really interesting work um, kind of developing just scorecard statistics and not using anything particularly advanced, but things like true economy rate and true run rate, which which kind of compare how a batsman or a bowler does um, alongside players who are playing at similar times in a match. So if a player may have, may have only scored at 10 runs per over at the death, which is kind of fine, it's not incredible, it's good, but actually everyone else who was batting around him was scoring a seven. So he was, uh, he was going over and above. I think that's a really useful thing because it shows players that stand up and do better than you'd expect and do better than their teammates. That's always going to be useful for broadcasters and um, to kind of to highlight and for teams, more importantly, to be able to go, okay, this, this guy actually on his raw stats isn't that, you know, doesn't stand out that much, but actually we know that he, he, he outperforms others and that's a really valuable skill. I think that um, I'm kind of on a personal crusade to try and make um, false shots a thing that everyone understands and kind of bears in mind whenever they're watching an innings because I think it's fascinating. Things So in test cricket, there is a base level of 14% false shots. So 14% of the time a batsman misses or edges the ball. And whether or not they're doing that more often or, or less often than the average in any given innings, I think is really interesting. Mm. Someone like Virat Kohli in England had a weird stretch where he was 
missing and edging the ball a lot and never getting out. And that's quite interesting because it shows that it's not sustainable. And then he goes to Australia and he has an okay series. It's not a brilliant series, but he did, he did well and it kind of tailed off. And it kind of shows that over time, luck does balance out. And that is a kind of depressingly trite thing to say, but it is the case. And I think that hopefully over the next few years, that will kind of seep in and we'll kind of get a bit of a, a more sophisticated understanding of how players' um, fortunes kind of ebb and flow. And then we can give players more chances um, when they deserve them and not cut them slack when they don't deserve it. Um, if they're playing loads of playing, playing and missing all the time, and not do, and still not scoring runs or kind of flying by the seat of their pants, but it's not worth investing in them anymore. Um, and if they're doing really low false shots across a prolonged period of time um, and still getting out a lot which is the James Vince syndrome, mm. who basically, he only edges the ball once every three years, but every time he does it, he gets out. Mm. Um, that's, that's a really relevant thing to anyone who understands cricket because it's going to help you help inform your own opinions. And at the end of the day, that's all we really want to do is kind of give people a more nuanced understanding of the game. Ben, uh, fascinating insight into how stats actually work and the fact that cricket is just, uh, you know, for about 120 years been stuck along um, three metrics. Uh, so and th- Don Bradman only averaged 89.94. Yeah, that's right. Now that, that's what we understand. Um, uh, but uh, th- thanks for joining us. Ben Jones from CrickViz, far smarter than um, any of us. <laughs> DM on our Facebook a couple of weeks ago, a couple of blokes playing cricket yeah. in their budgie smuggle. Just yes. want to let us know. Yeah, mm. it was the postcard photo, Pez, mm. of everything that we've ever done. Usually when, you know, you get a concern, uh, that would be concerning most of the time if you said a couple of young men DM'd us some photos of them in budgie smugglers. Mm. You'd be thinking, well, what's this about? Mm. But but this was the most, like, iconic, you know, photo possible of Austra- the Australian summer, the Australian dream. Used to be mm. uh, owning property, not anymore. Mm. It's beach cricket and your budgies. There were three blokes playing on a beach. Yep. Two of them were wearing budgie smugglers yeah. and one other kid was wearing three-quarter length boardies yes. that were popular in, yeah. I don't know, 2001, yeah. two? Well, I noticed, yeah. I noticed that, um, Edos, in that in that moment they decided to put two slips in because mm. they noticed that the guy wearing three-quarter three, three length board choice in the year 2019 mm. um, required a second slip because there might be some short yeah. stuff coming Weak. his way. Weak, yeah, it's beta. Might have seen Budgie Smuggler a fair bit through the Brisbane test as well, where people are in that pool, yep. uh, et cetera. We got a question uh, during our Canberra live show where someone said, I- I'm thinking of getting custom smugglers. Mm. Um, I'm thinking of getting Pez's face on the front. That's right, yeah. Right. What was it? There was some other, there was some other angle to I it. There was think, something about my face on the front of their pants. Kind of the angle. I, li- yeah. I liked it though, and I always think that when I, yeah. Um, mm. But, but uh, the, the, the so test we converted that guy into a sale based on what we're talking about here on the podcast mm. so that's that's successful well that's why we're all on our second investment property mm. now yeah. I, I noticed the uh, the antigua test match over there they've also got a pool we were trying to think of another ground yeah. around the world would have a pool yeah. outside and we, we thought lords but then we we thought mm. oh no that's that they don't have a pool there monica oval had the pool end yes they have the pool end but no pool inside the actual council pool at the back we can plenty of blokes and budgie smugglers there though that's true mm. <laughs> mostly to our live show yeah so budgie smugglers are becoming popular around the world they're global um and i really enjoy what budgie smuggler doing in terms of custom wear lads right. anything you want i mean pez's face sure if you want to do that i don't know why he said that out loud in a room full of other men to you yeah it was meant to meant to kind of shock or something yeah. I, I sort of took it and, yeah. then, and then chris rogers Thank turned you. to you and said i thought he wanted that because pez's head looks like a testicle yes he did say yeah, that so i've forgotten kind. that yeah sadly it wasn't the most shocking question we got that night <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> custom wear i think this week for me it would be it'd 
it would still probably be – well, no, it would be the Australia's 17-man Ashes squad in my view. Mm. Um, <laughs> I'll just have that on there. My Ashes squad on February 5. Mm. Uh, yeah. This is what I believe it should be. Might have just be the lyrics to Under the Southern Cross with mm. the swear word in red. Mm. Um, I am going to go for the Australian Republic flag. The proposed flag. The proposed flag, oh, yeah. that's very, yeah. very good of you. Because I think we need to get into England's grill. I yeah. actually went to a Republican um, breakfast oh, yeah. the other day and one of it, it so quickly turned into um, uh, like Bradman bashing um, nice. breakfast. Now, that's, that's poorly characterised. It was very good breakfast, uh, but um, there was a bit of a Bradman discussion. Good. It was quite, it was good. quite fun. Bradman isn't yeah. challenged mm. enough. In my Bradman opinion. and the Republic go hand in hand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then Gideon Haig mounted a, a strong and valid defence of him, so let's just be mm. clear about that. But Republic now, but also Budgie Smugglers now. Uh, <laughs> budgie smuggler who's paying for this advertisement .com.au yeah Michael Cooney from the Republic no <laughs> sorry Linny um, budgiesmuggler.com.au custom wear if you've got 11 pairs or more you enter in the discount code CHAMP and you will receive some level of discount uh, from that that's budgiesmuggler.com.au custom wear Well, as ever, Dave and Higos, uh, you are only numbers when it, when it comes to cricket. Yes. It's a complex social and emotional life, this, but in That's cricket right. terms, you're just merely a number. Uh, let me read some numbers to you. Nearly 4,000 runs at first-class level, a highest of 278, 2150, 700s, a very sought-after average of 41 at that level. Mm. 90 ODIs for his country, nearly 2,500 runs there, and a highest of 102, including a World Cup win. 5,000 runs at T20 level, a highest of 145, not out. Jesus. Of course, seven tests and one of the great tons in Ranchi. He's in a rare class of guys who's scored hundreds in all three formats. A generational talent who's proved that, yeah, it's okay to reverse sweep. It's Glenn Maxwell. <laughs> Glenn, welcome to the show. Thanks for the intro. That's... Uh... More than I expected. <laughs> I, I'm I'm reluctant to ask what you expected, but um, we'll, we'll, we'll just uh, carry on. Glenn, let's we start in the same place every time. Um, we'll, we'll work through the international career shortly, but run us through grade cricket. Your relationship to grade cricket. Do you even play or care about it anymore? <laughs> <laughs> I actually really enjoy grade cricket. I, I was um, I was probably lucky enough to play a little bit last year, and um, well, I played the back end of the season. Uh, with my club Fitzroy Doncaster and played the the last round and and played the few finals and then uh, we were all lined up to play the the grand final against Peter Siddle's Dandenong and um, I got called over to South Africa for that infamous test. Mm-hmm. Can't really remember. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Collective so amnesia. I got called, called called over to South Africa to run some drinks and miss the final. So that was um, yeah, a bit disappointing. Were you, were you checking the scores when, like, when the sandpaper thing was going down? Like, were you, were you staying across what was happening in the final? Like, yeah. what, like, what, what? Uh, uh, give us some insight. Well, because of the time difference, I was actually able to watch it online. So I was, I was sort of watching oh, Peter Siddle tear us apart, and mm. um, so I, I'm quite close mates with a lot of the guys that I play club career with. So it was a bit hard to watch them get mm-hmm. thumped by Dinong, and um, yeah, especially after all the hard work we put in to actually get to the final as well. So. It would have been, um, I think it would have been a three-peat for us as well. So I've um, never done that before in the club's history, so it would have been nice to be there. 
I think one of the headlines from this podcast already is Glenn Maxwell what's grade cricket online. <laughs> yeah, um, which is you should obviously never admit to watching grade cricket online. Uh, can we just? You, you have no idea how much cricket I actually watch, and grade <laughs> cricket does pop up a lot. Yeah, <laughs> uh, very disturbing. Uh, just just to kind of mine the the grade cricket um, community or, or your kind of uh, relationship to it these days. Do you still kind of? Hang out with the boys socially. I mean, the the Fitzroy circuit is obviously a famous one. Some very um, you know, interesting little dive bars around there. Can you kind of cast your mind back, or do you still kind of get involved in that side of things? Yeah, look, we don't probably go into Fitzroy. I think Fitzroy mm. Doncaster, um, the name sort of obviously alludes to Fitzroy, but mm. the, a lot of the guys sort of hang out around Q area, end up at the Harp. Um, that's <laughs> right. that's about forty minutes from where I live, so it's a bit harder to get out there. So. Um, I sort of make the boys come and see me if I if I need to catch up with them. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, most of the, most of the time after a game, we'll we'll head out all together, and um, I'll have to buy the first three or four rounds for the boys, and then they generally go home. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting you say that. I mean, you, obviously you're saying that you got some good friends who play some great cricket. I mean, are those guys asking for like a pair of gloves, a spare stick? Like, what what are they what are they sort of getting from you apart from a few beers on the circuit? Yeah, I'd probably have to take it. I've taken a few like wheelbarrows full of gear um, every time I've gone and played a game, and mm. and um, it's like mm. sea, seagulls on a chip when I when I drop it in the middle of the change rooms. It's quite funny. So you um, literally just dump just, a wheelbarrow in the middle of the just blokes room. attacking each other violently like <laughs> yeah. seagulls do. To yeah. each other. Well, I, I generally just leave the boot open of my car, and then um, and when I turn up, guys, the first question is, "Mate, have you got any spare gloves?" Like, oh my. Mm. The ones you gave me last time, they've got a hole in them. So, um, <laughs> I've, I've actually I've decked I've decked the whole club out in Kookaburra gear, which is which is brilliant. So, um, uh, they've they've done pretty well out of me. And yeah. my actual my local cricket club that I started at South Belgrave is is all decked out in Victorian Bush Rangers and Australian gear. So, uh, they've got all my training gear from previous seasons. Okay. Oh, we won't ask them. Ah, oh, it sounds like you're giving enough away. One of our most popular interviews recently, Glenn, was with uh, a teammate of yours at the Stars yeah. and Australia, Adam Zampa. And when we asked him about his relationship to grade cricket, he was unequivocal when he says, uh, I hate grade cricket. And he went on to say, uh, they were his words, that's not a bastardisation. He kind of went on to imply that all professionals hate grade cricket. Are we to believe him or you? Well, I can understand guys that don't like grade cricket, but I, I find grade cricket probably slightly more difficult than international cricket at times. Um, yes. They get rid of the they get rid of the slips fielders. They put everyone in front of the wicket. The ball doesn't bounce above shin high. <laughs> yeah. You've got some bloke who's played grade cricket for the last twenty years, played junior from ten metres away, and you can't hit it hard enough at him. So. Um, I find it extremely difficult, and but it's the guys that I go back and play with, which is why I enjoy it, and um, the fact that they can sort of make you feel relaxed, and there's no one really watching, so you can actually get away with murder there as well. It's brilliant. You just mentioned international cricket. You've obviously got a few international teammates uh, at the Stars at the moment. You guys are kind of shooting for finals cricket. Um, can you just give us an insight into you know where you guys are at with the Stars? I mean, I know you guys haven't won a comp before. Kane Richardson's come out in the press recently uh, and and said that you know you guys walk around with a head wobble when you've won nothing. Um, you know, I, I'm sure the boys are. Uh, I think he said he wrote that with Adam Zampa. No, that's not true. Um, but. Um, uh, you know, how, how are you guys feeling heading into the back end of the BBL? There's a bit of work to do there. Yeah, we're, we're obviously excited for the opportunity that we've got in front of us. Like we've got to win one out of the next two games to to make the finals. And 
I think if you had given us that at the start of the tournament, we would have definitely taken it and um, and and gone with that and and backed ourselves to win one of one of the next two games. But uh, we keep coming up against these farewell games, which is ridiculous. We had Maxi Klinger the other night, and now we've got Brendan McCullum in a couple of nights' time. So hopefully, no one from the Sixers announces their retirement for the last game, and then we'll have three out of three. Uh, Glenn, you've obviously chosen not to participate in the IPL this season. Um, I guess to focus on county cricket and the lead up to the World Cup and the Ashes. Um, firstly, why do you hate making money? And, <laughs> and secondly, you know, what, what kind of frame that decision? How do you come to it? Yeah, well, I, I certainly don't hate money. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, been, it's been very enjoyable to me at the IPL over the last six years. And yeah, um, yeah I suppose it's just a, it's come to a time where I'm that age where I've got to, I've got to make sure I'm actually playing enough cricket to be considered for selection, I think. If you look at Aaron Finch last year, he played um, quite a bit of cricket and, and got picked in the test side on the back of how well he was doing overseas as well as with Australia. So, And I just did not play enough cricket last year and um, it probably cost me in the end. Um, and I probably started the season off a bit slow because of it. So just trying to give myself the best chance to, to play well in this World Cup and um, and hopefully earn test selection back at some stage. Well, that's interesting because there hasn't been a, there hasn't been much talk about uh, you playing last year at all, or whose uh, fault that was, or anything <laughs> like that. So we won't rake up old graves. But it is, it is interesting. There's a lot of chat at the moment about the Ashes uh, squad and and really how much that series against Sri Lanka should count when it comes to selecting that side. Uh, you know, what's your view, your view about that? I mean, where do you see the best opportunities to put your name in lights for that squad and, I guess, um, get added to it as so many people would love uh, to see? I mean, do, do you think it's going to be tough now that there's no test matches between now and then, or, or do you see opportunity? Well, the way that recent test match when it would have been a great opportunity to play in Sri Lanka and Canberra. Four boys get 100, so um, you, you're in the minority if you miss out as a batter, so um, uh, yeah, that, that would have been great to get an opportunity, but I suppose, um, as we've seen in the past, uh, one day form does does be considered, is considered um, at international level, and I think George Bailey did that beautifully a few years ago when he was part of the whitewash and started dubbing himself the whitewash wizard after he got as part of that five nil against the against the Poms, so who knows? I could I could have, have a good World Cup and, and sneak my way into the squad, but um, at the moment, just got to concentrate on um, stars first, and then hopefully the World Cup, and um, we'll go from there. I mean, just just on that, uh, I don't suspect you'll answer this with any level of honesty at all. But like, when you're batting at seven in the ODI yeah, side, are you, are you just um, just wishing for wickets? <laughs> you, do you want you like, like all grade cricketers? Do you want your teammates to fail so you can actually bat? Well, that's, yeah. Well, um... <laughs> yeah, let that one through. Let's, yeah, Glenn, like, yeah. Glenn. We'll move on to the uh, throwdowns component of uh, of these interviews, and um, I'm sure you you don't know what the hell that means. Basically, the jokes wrapped up in the question so i apologize in advance but um i'll kick off uh actually dave dave you kick off okay. i think yeah um a fellow victorian this one focuses on maxi so on the 2016 season of i'm a celebrity get me out of here <laughs> shane Warne questioned the theory of evolution telling a fellow contestant that if we evolved from monkeys then why haven't those ones evolved <laughs> he then went on to explain that humans are actually descended from aliens not monkeys um I just wanted to get your take on it. Do you concede that Warney's got a fucking good point here? I mean, why haven't the monkeys evolved? I'm uh, well. I'm going to be definitely on Warney's side because if you're against Warney, you're probably never going to play. Again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So even on the, I, the, the I, you're against I, Charles Darwin. Yeah. 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 I know where my bread's buttered, boys. Don't worry yeah. about that. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Fox Sports article tomorrow. Maxwell yeah. against Darwin. Mm. Um, okay. Um, we had uh, Max. We had a, uh, a question coming to us, which we usually answer, but uh, but this one might be more suited for you. Brett Carson writes in, and he says, "Is it wrong that I have banned the reverse sweep in the backyard until the kids turn at least nine? I'm conflicted. They play it quite well, but have been bowled a few times too. Totally confused. So, can you uh, give Brett some insight here? So he's got some kids at home who are reverse sweeping, but they are getting out playing the reverse sweep. So should they should these kids be allowed to play the reverse sweep? Is what I'm asking. Yeah, hundred percent. They should let them play it as much as they want. Play any shot as long as they still run. It doesn't really matter. Perfect. Glenn, there's been a lot of talk uh, in relation to Australian selection about banging the door down uh, to get into Justin Lang's Australian team, but one seems to need less of a bang than just a secret knock. Um, so like Marnus Labuschagne, for him it seems to be very directional, like it's about getting in and around the boys and up and about. Uh, Langer himself said something about needing to date his daughter, um, and it also helps to be from Western Australia. In the absence of banging the door down for important hundreds at test level like those you've scored, uh, are consistently high average or not actually being allowed to play uh, what are your secret knock plans for Justin Langer <laughs> yeah I've been actually working on that um, <laughs> and I've looked at some property in, in WA as well pretty close to the Langer household um, yes I'm, I've I've tried to buy a cafe out there and, and tried to make his favourite brew every morning, but it hasn't worked, and he's okay. it's sort of gone straight past him. So okay. no luck so far, but I'm working on it. Okay. <laughs> Invest in WA property. Got it. Um, just another one that's possibly on the same topic. Um, so Chris Lynn, in response to being overlooked for the home ODIs in India, he mm. tweeted the well-known Simpsons meme of Homer moving backwards through the hedges. <laughs> Now, I couldn't help but notice that you liked this tweet, presumably in an attempt to communicate with the selectors. Is this an effective way of communicating with Trevor Chapel, sorry, Greg Chappell and Trevor Hones, um, you know, through internet memes, given that the National Selection Panel is mainly comprised of ageing baby boomers who do not know how to use the internet? A hundred percent. They don't know how to use Twitter, so we can actually tweet whatever we want and, um, and like whatever we want, so it's perfect. Um, as soon as they get a, a selector from uh, the, the Twitter generation, we might be absolutely stuffed, me and Linny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Glenn, in a recent uh, Stars v Scorchers fixture, a ball cannon into your chest and felled you quite violently. Uh, you were picked up on the mic saying to Marcus Stoinis, I don't have any muscles, mate. If it had hit your chest, it would have gone for two out that way. <laughs> what is Marcus Stoinis's chest worth in financial terms? And have you considered that your chest may be holding you back in selection terms? <laughs> Well, if you look at his recent inclusion into the test squad, I think it definitely is. Um, I think if I had the rig he, he was, I would have been playing for the last 10 years quite non-stop. But, um, unfortunately, when you look like me, you've got to probably make um, make a few more runs and, and probably bowl a bit faster, and unfortunately I do neither. There, there is a, like, we live in a rig-based economy, don't we, in Australian cricket? I mean, like, like how much is a chest worth in Australian Like, do, do you often think if I just get that chest protruding a little bit more or bench a bit more, I might be taken more seriously? Uh, I'm asking that question I feel seriously. Like you're, I feel like you're asking the wrong person here. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm flat as a surfboard, and it's really disappointing that people keep bringing this up, and... Um, for a while there, I got I got called a pirate because I was always looking right. for a chest. Um, <laughs> um, so that, that that wasn't great. So that was the, that was the academy days, and so that yeah. started me on a, off on a bad run. And then I started doing push ups, and that didn't work. And right. yeah, then I got some back problems, and then it just got worse from there. <laughs> 
All right, well, let's focus on some of your, your physical assets. So you've been compared to some of history's most dangerous short-form batsmen. How does it feel to have your arm hair mentioned in the same breath as icons like Ricky Ponting? <laughs> uh, we actually had a hair off um, when we played. Well, we, we spent a lot of time together, me and, me and Rick, and, or me and Punner. Sorry, we're on nickname. Mm, Punner. Punner. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, we've had a hair off, and I, I think I've just got him covered, which is, which is nice. So... Mm. Um, I'm sure the runs will come flowing in soon. I think he hit his peak around 10 years ago, but um, I'm sure I'll catch up to him at some stage. And, well, I think I've already passed him in T20 cricket, so that's good enough for me. That's very, that's very good. Uh, I think arm hair should um, almost be on the same level as chest when it comes to kind of social capital When it, yeah. you know, in, in yeah. terms of cricket. Just Glenn, uh, thanks so much for joining us and um, taking all of that. I'm sure it was complete, um, completely baffling to you, but uh, I'm sure you're giving people uh, a great laugh. We're wishing you all the best uh, for the remainder of the season, the season being endless uh, when it comes to you and all the cricket that, uh, <laughs> that goes on. And we're wishing you all the best uh, for future Australian selection. And I speak on behalf of all Australians that you should be in the side. Yep, yep. that's right. Okay. okay. Thanks very much, guys. You're sitting on the bus with your headphones in, watching a guy shadow bat with his umbrella. You're squeezing an avocado at the supermarket, realising you'll never be able to buy a home, but, geez, you're absolutely going to crush breakfast. You're walking the dog, assessing the likely speed of the outfield if a cricket match was being played. You're sitting next to your teenage son in the car, while three blokes from the internet discuss the intricacies of male grooming techniques for the showers. You're listening to the Grade Cricketer podcast and you're thinking, how do I get around the boys? From Brendan Julian asking them if they've ever lifted the Sheffield Shield trophy to Mike Atherton desperately wanting to get off the phone to Brad Hodge revealing that he batted in a club game with an IPL lid on and finally all the way to Adam Zampa saying that he fucking hates Grade Cricket, just like the rest of us. Yep, we've all come a long way together. And now the grade cricketer lads are asking you to get around them. The Australian Podcast Awards are the night of nights for mainly blokes to celebrate their achievement of having a USB microphone and an internet connection. And Dave, Pez and Higos are asking you to get around them by lodging your vote for the Grade Cricketer Podcast at australianpodcastawards.com. Just click on vote, search for the Grade Cricketer and follow the prompts. Maybe they'll splash on a bit of Chopkin cologne for the occasion. Maybe they'll rock up in whites. Public voting ends on Valentine's Day, the loneliest day of the year for podcasters. It's the last thing they'll ask from you. Until the next thing. The Australian Podcast Awards. Is Dad listening? Dad? Dad? Dad, I'm doing something good. Come and watch me. <laughs> All right, here we go. Hashtag AskTGC, that time of the week again. Um, before we get into it, uh, I will say thank you to everyone who came to our li- all of our live shows around the country. Mm. We finished up in Canberra on Friday, last one of the tour for this summer. To our guests um, as well. To all of our guests, yes, Ed Cowan, Trent Copeland, John Buchanan and Chris Rogers joined us for the final, uh, the final act on stage there. Said at- that Chris Gale never showered with him. Yes, that was a thing that I took away as well. It was quite funny, Chris, wasn't he? Mm. It was good. It was a good show. Um, so thank you to the over 1,000 men that came to our show and over 15 women that came to the show mm. as well. Let's not forget Mostly them. partners. Mostly mm. partners. I spoke to uh, one of the uh, the VIPs who came backstage after the show at Canberra mm. and uh, um, 
she had come with her partner and uh, she was like in the front row obviously VIP yeah. and then like she was in the she was in my island the entire yeah, show yeah. didn't laugh once and I was like <laughs> oh did you enjoy the show and she was like oh I didn't really know I just came here because I made him come to all the Fifty Shades movies <laughs> quid pro quo yeah, yeah so she had a really yeah. enjoyable Friday night out um, so anyway thanks to everyone for coming also the Australian Podcast Awards are a thing. You've obviously heard the other uh, little preview that uh, our producer Toby Shane put together beforehand. Uh, we want to win. Mm. We want to win. I mean, we're doing it, so we, we want to win. So we need we need you guys to get around us in a circular mm. motion. Also, just go on your computers and just go to the website and then click vote for us. That would be huge. There are some very inferior sports podcasts that might win if you don't vote for us. <laughs> yeah, and with full sort. respect to With full casts. respect to our competition. Yes. yes. Um, Please vote for us. Um, we, we need the validation. Need the validation. We've never won an award. We want an award. We yeah. want to hold it up. We want to get around it. We spoke last week, didn't we, how we went past the one million barrier. Yeah, for the downloads. So mm. that's very exciting, which is actually a similar amount of money that we've lost by doing this podcast. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, those are all the things. All right. Um, I've spoken long enough about things, getting the audience to do stuff. Now here is a gift from the audience um, that has come in. Now, uh, Should we give some background to this question? I think, I think it's necessary, yeah. Sure. Oh, what's the background? Uh, look, we get a lot of messages, uh, and thank you to those who write in. Yeah. And sometimes we skim over them. And to be, if you want an insight into it, like we sort of look at it, and then you, if you see certain keywords, yeah, if you uh, don't capture us in the first, we're like a boss who gets lots of unsolicited CVs. Yeah, <laughs> like if you haven't got us in the first sentence, you haven't got us. Mm. Uh, this got us. Th- yeah, this this got us yes. a little bit um, to the point where uh, it required a couple of. Like a bit of cross-checking, a bit of double-checking, yeah. uh, a, a conversation about whether it should be read out, and we decided unanimously uh, and vociferously that uh, that this story that we should call our lawyer. Th- yes, uh, this story absolutely should be told. Uh, so public interest. Um, All right, you guys is going to read it. Here we spirit. go. Dear TGC, upon listening to your latest podcast and reflecting on your own personal favourite interviews, the mention of Steve Wall hit me like a truck and brought back a memory from a few years back. When playing a second grade game for the Bears against Sutherland, the Bears were in a strong position when Austin Wall walked to the crease. That being Steve Wall's son. That is correct. At two for shit and sticking everything, Austin was in all sorts. After seeing three go over the slips to the vacant third man region, my captain sent me down to a floating third man for that exact reason. Upon reaching the spot near the fence I marked my spot and went to turn when I heard I hope you catch that ball with that big fucking mouth of yours shocked not only by the sledge but also the fact there was someone watching my game I looked up to see Steve sitting on the bench that would be Steve War I crumbled and furiously apologized telling Steve it's only cricket and only for him to bite back and say I hope you bat better than you talk Austin went on to score a classy 70 hot and we were chasing Still scarred from, a, from being attacked from my idol, I managed to hold my nerve and hit the winning runs, to top it off, hitting Austin over the Bon Andrews sheds due to a poorly hidden slower ball. My question is, at what point should I have burnt my signed Steve Waugh memoir and my photo of us at Steve Waugh Foundation Cricket Day when I was 10? Also, why was Steve watching his son play second grade? <laughs> so the scene is that... Yeah. So it's against the North Sydney Cricket Club. That's right. So North Sydney regular. Oval number two, number which two. is a beautiful oval, you know, right on the um, the freeway overlooking the harbour. And Steve Waugh is there sitting on the uh, the hill, as yeah. he describes. Yes. So he would have been looking up at Steve Waugh from his position at third man and seeing the harbour in the background. Mm. As, as a man there, he probably wouldn't have clocked immediately that it was Steve Waugh, but mm. he very soon did. Yeah. So so I don't know about you guys. We, we talk a lot about lower grade cricket and stuff like that and like – and some of the bizarre things that go on. I, I 
in all my time of playing cricket, can't remember being directly targeted and sledged by a parent, let alone I don't recall one of Australia's I recall. I recall. Really? Yeah, back in like the early rep days when you play against one of those Western Suburbs teams and they'd come and they'd <laughs> set up their tent at the ground and they'd, you know, they'd really nestle in for the day. There'd be beers and drinks and, mm, sure. and food and so forth. Sure. And I remember copping it a little bit as like a 13, 14-year-old. Uh, really? Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. So... Again, to just to reiterate the picture that's happening here, yeah. there's a second grade game at the North Sydney ground where you guys both played for North yeah. Sydney. Um, Austin War, who has played for the Australian 19s mm. uh, since, he's now in first grade playing mm. with Shane Watson, Steve Smith, uh, these kind of guys, and um, and he's playing second grade at the time. He's batting. Uh, the guy who's written into the question is is having a bit of a go. I mean, he goes under third man. Steve War has played 168 test matches, says, I hope you catch the ball with that big fucking mouth of yours mm. and then proceeds to sledge him. So what we thought was just like, this is absolutely incredible. Probably yeah. the most recognisable Australian cricketer in the mm. last 30 years. But even just, I think the story would stand on its own if it was just a parent doing it to someone, mm. like a grown man in <laughs> second grade, but for him to turn around and it be Steve War. For some reason, in <laughs> yeah. my mind, Steve War's wearing a baggy green. Yeah, yeah. exactly. exactly. Oh, he's like, wearing those like Oakley sunglasses <laughs> yeah. in my head. Yeah, uh, and so we, yeah. We, we we checked with um, the yeah. player in question, yeah. and uh, uh, you know, because sometimes people can kind of um, exaggerate these things or yeah. whatnot, and yeah. we're just like, no, you, you better get this right. So, so we were put in touch with a few others to double check. I've got another message here from the captain of that side. Yeah, uh, on that day, anyway, mm. um, I'll read I'll read it out because uh, I asked for his account. <clears throat> he said, "Some kid comes out to bat. <laughs> Apparently, it's Austin War. Yeah. Our slow medium attack has him in trouble. Not looking good after receiving." a few slow short balls he's struggling no sledging from us the game is the last of the season and I believe it's between the 18th and 19th teams <laughs> top edge to third man our man in question runs to collect the ball some crazy bloke on the sideline starts verbally, <laughs> verbally abusing him one of our younger players turns out to be former Australian cricket captain Steve Wall. <laughs> it was some sledge about catching the ball with his mouth and being able to bat <laughs> After the sledge, I think our guy apologised to him, saying, sorry, just trying to support the team, play cricket or something. Our man um, running back and reports th- runs back and reports this to the team, laughing and gutted, not sure how to react. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he had him as an idol and bought his tour diaries, <laughs> even attended a Steve Waugh cricket camp. Later on, Steve Waugh followed him to the cover boundary. He missed an easy ball, went straight between his legs. From the boundary, we hear loud clapping and a voice yell, Fielding? (laughs) Our guide turns to see Steve Waugh, stone-faced, still clapping. It was hilarious. We couldn't stop laughing. However, it's certainly something my old man would have done. Lots of private banter amongst the boys for the rest of the day. Later in the match, our guy bombed Austin down the ground for a six to help us win the game. I'm pretty sure we incorporated Steve Waugh into the winning song. I hope that helps. Oh, it certainly helps. That's, uh, that's beautiful. Just He followed him. To followed go, where the fuck well, are you going? I think I was, um, yeah. you know, I was... In my mind, I was more critical of Steve War if I hadn't heard that follow-up question because yeah. now there's an element of humour. Like he's actually followed him around <laughs> and then <laughs> openly clapping him and trying to attract attention in that respect. Whereas it's not an under-the-breath Steve War sledge at third man, which is what I originally thought it was. I guess at this point we should submit to the audience: Have you been sledged by Steve War? <laughs> uh, uh, is this uh, like the Me Too movement? Exactly. Please, the please, segment. please yeah. write in. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Use the hashtag Me Too. Not that interested if you were a player and you were sledged by more if he was a parent in a second grade. Yeah. That would be it. Would be good. I suppose if you think about it, it's not overly 
surprising. I mean, Steve Ward, just the grandfather of sledging, even, I mean, he took the reins of, you know, Alan Border. Well, it's like what we talked about before with like muscle memory. We started winning games of cricket and now we're sledging Sri Lanka. Steve Ward sees an opportunity. Yeah. Muscle memory is yeah. triggered by that moment. <laughs> yeah. I must say yeah. this thing. Yeah. I must. But what, yeah, what I was going to say is it's like not, not over surprising because like he'd be very, obviously you guys are both parents, like very protective of his son. So he sees like his son being out in the middle. Mm. He would remember like what it would have been like to be a sledge. He's like, well, no one's going to sledge my boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what I'll do is I'm going to I'm gonna follow this guy, this mm. fucking prick round the yeah. sideline. Yeah. And if he misses a ball, yeah, I'm going to clap. Yeah, I'll yeah. clap. Yeah. I'll get like his it, was grill. A, it was a deadpan clap. <laughs> Fielding, Fielding while everyone was laughing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's very good. It's I like that good. he has, just has no care for his profile. Like, yeah. Well, I think that that's the thing about Steve Wall, though, isn't it? Like, the, he does curate his profile a bit. And it's mm. the, the thing is, like, we, we thought about whether to tell this story and we were like, well, hang on, it, this was in public. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. it, it's yeah. not like it was a, yeah. a sportsman's night where no. he revealed a few stories. Like, this, this was. Yeah. This was just at North Sydney number two. There were no, any there manner were no of Chatham House rules. Council yeah. Oval, yeah. yeah. Anyway, fielding. Oh, well, right in. If you've had similar experiences. Um, okay, uh, sliding along here, uh, I'm going to go to uh, Ryan Faulkner-Hogg, who says, I am in Amsterdam celebrating Australia Day at Coco's Outback, the most popular Australian pub in Amsterdam. Times are good and I'm celebrating this slice of Australia with my two colleagues, one French and one Dutch. We're on the dance floor trying to impress and I notice a TV not playing a music video. Time zones are disorientating, cricket is on the TV. I assume it's replays or highlights, therefore easily justifying in my mind that my limited attention should be prioritised on my mates and the dance floor rather than some cricket highlights in the middle of a 1am dance floor on Australia Day. I am not. Sh- I am sure not more than a minute had gone by and I refixed my attention towards the TV. Turns out it was a live pink ball test and I was intently watched an entire Cummins over. The bloke gets a wicket second ball I tune in. The question, how did a live test being played on the other side of the world get to get TV time in the middle of a stacked dance floor? Anyway, I actually put my headphones in on the way home, listened to the latest podcast. Unsteadily trudging along with my bike, I realised that this observation I made of the cricket is completely in your wheelhouse. Surely you have the answers. Enlighten me, says Ryan. So he's, a, he's, in, a, he's in Amsterdam, it's Australia Days, with his right. French mates, with his Dutch mate. Mm. And then he's just watching, instead yeah. of talking to you know, people in the bar, he's decided to watch an entire right. Pat yeah. Cummins over, which is live on, you know, on television in the dance floor. I guess the first thing you'd say is like it is an Aussie-themed bar, but like I've had this experience before. I was in Paris at a nondescript bar once and mm-hmm. for whatever reason, uh, it was in 2011, they were showing Australia versus New Zealand like at Adelaide Oval in a test match and like Brad Haddon was batting. Mm. And I just still remember feeling him? so – Yeah, you, know, you played well that day, but I, st- <laughs> I still remember feeling like so jarred by it having flown over like a yeah, few yeah. before. And Can't like, escape oh, I'm, it. I'm getting, I'm getting over to Paris. Oh, yeah, yeah and, I, and like I still watched it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because yeah. I don't know what else to do. Yeah. It reminds me, it's a different code, but I remember, I think it was the 2010 <laughs> AFL Grand Final, that one where it was a fucking tie or some shit between like St Kilda and Collingwood yeah. and I was in like Lancaster, Pennsylvania mm. in a really obscure <laughs> dive bar and it came on. Mm. And I obviously held court explaining the rules and when it was, yeah. you know, the Grand Final was a draw and they had to go back next week, everyone was like, they don't do fucking OT? What's that about? <laughs> so it gives you an opportunity to explain yeah. the code and, and gain yeah. social capital. I'm surprised they didn't like bring some other people along and kind of start talking do about you, the intricacies. Really think, I mean, Aussie rules, as much as like I particularly sledge it, I could see social capital increasing yeah. through the explanation Especially of it. Especially if you're I, the Aussie in the bar yeah. and this is this really fucking weird Australian sport that Americans are interested mm. in, yeah. Te- I 
test, mind that test shit. Test cricket in Amsterdam, though, at 1am. I don't think anyone's gaining social capital no. talking about that no. to somebody. It's like, what the f- Just shut yeah. the fuck up. I can there be a few guys in the red knocking light around in like, a, you know, in like a Richmond jersey. You know when you go overseas and see people wearing like yeah. Australian sports it codes sucks, jerseys? Yeah. 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 It's yeah. like, yeah. It's yeah. The guys who play thing. Aussie rules in London, that... Uh, <laughs> it just reminds me of just like you know you, you tell the story um when you had your son um that like there was a game of cricket happening on um north sydney North uh, uh, sydney, sydney university number one yeah and like you just you had to like just poke your head around this and just like oh what's, what's, yeah. it's the same thing just like you see a game of cricket yeah. and if you live that you know you've lived these shared experiences yeah, your entire doctor's life. trying to tell you you know the head circumference size of your son and you're yeah. like is that fucking lbw i can't see them yeah what, 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 what's sydney one for or two for yeah do both ears work hang on yeah this guy's a bit quick yeah i like i wonder if there's car crashes near Near grounds, high proportion <laughs> yeah. because there's guys just like yeah. turn their heads slightly yeah. just yeah. to watch the, the bowler run in and like easy yeah. quick just to just to size yeah. yourself. It's a up worse epidemic him. than the you know people looking at their mobile phone while they're driving. It's I worse, think. yeah. People yelling at how's that? All right, this is the last one for the week. It's from Finn Parker. It's uh, it's well, he's put himself in an interesting position. But let's see, let's see how he goes. Dear TGC, I've reached a crossroads in my cricketing career and I need some advice. I'm a 17 year old and just finished playing three years of private school first eleven cricket, of which the final year I was captain. I managed to score a few centuries as well as an 87 which I still have nightmares about and end up being a leading run scorer in the competition I filled it either at cover or in the cordon played on some of the most picturesque grounds in Australia ate lunches that would not be amiss in some of Paddington's boutique restaurants and was venerated as somewhat of a god within the school sporting culture alright if you don't say so yourself Finn Sorry for the flex, although I hear it's an important grey cricket trait to subtly brag, but it's important to give some context. After graduating, I was still flying on the highs of last season. I went down to my local Sydney grey cricket club, uh, which, as we know, is a premier competition in Australia, and played a few games of threes before the HSC. I was then, uh, I was then on hiatus for a few months while I completed my studies. As I live in Barrel. I was a boarder at school. Getting to training is also quite hard. Indeed, I have no desire to drive two hours for eight minutes in the shit net against a bunch of sped 14-year-olds and washed-up 45-year-olds. Due to my non-appearances and thus thus lack of ability to get around the boys or work really hard in the nets, I've been dropped to fives. I'm now batting seven and playing as left-arm ortho, of which I bowled about 20 overs last season and only because I was captain. We play on the worst ground in Sydney-grade cricket, Snape, he says. It's a two-hour drive in the morning to get there on time. I haven't scored any runs and bowled two overs a game. The tees constitute a box of Tim Tams. The change rooms double as a crack house. And when getting throwdowns, a 100-kilogram balding wicketkeeper stands behind me and gives me tips on how to play the cover drive. Indeed, my only contribution to the team is a ceaseless stream of abuse that at least makes me feel like I'm doing something with my day. I have, in essence, become Dave. <laughs> what advice do you have? Should I just resign to playing on syntho decks in country cricket or retire altogether? As I say, it's not the fall that kills you. It's the landing in the suburban shithole of the beta fifth graders that has me crying out for my Saturdays once more. Hashtag RTGC. Great question, Finn. Um, I feel so, like that, like we will respond to it, but like it's just like a journal entry. Like he's really going through a lot of self-reflection there. It's okay yes. to ask rhetorical yeah. questions yes. of yourself yes. in journals. It is, it's like a dear diary, yes. that question. This might be oh, one okay. of his like, you know, essays. Isn't he doing his HSC? This might be one of his English essays <laughs> yeah. that he's submitting. No, no, he's 20%. Finished. He, um, he's finished his HSC. Oh, okay. He's finished his HSC. But he's, he might be studying like existentialism. Yeah. You know, like but he's, he's arts, uni- yeah, English yeah. literature. He's come to the realisation. Like I think, I think, you know, 
speaking, hopefully, in that turn, that we've helped him realise what he's about to mm. get himself in for. He's mm. got to drive two hours to get to fifth grade where he's mm. not batting or bowling, mm. really. We really should have submitted our first book to, like, the HS New South Wales Board of Studies. Someone did. I know a school teacher who did put it on the... the Was it gender studies? Were they submitting it for gender studies or I don't remember. masculinity, <laughs> toxic masculinity? The first book is actually you can get it under the HSC like curriculum. You actually can. Yeah. Also appreciate the shout out there. It's good to know that I'm viewed as someone who just mercilessly plundered runs against fucking limp-wristed <laughs> private school attacks before fading into adult obscurity. Well, you've certainly pushed that narrative for quite a long time. So to answer Finn's question, how do we help Finn here? Uh, he seems to be a very self-aware individual. Mm. Yeah, uh, for for such so for he someone will not so, succeed for in someone so young. So he either has to acknowledge that cricket is extremely difficult, and the only way you're going to achieve everything possible is to let go of everything else in your life, like Cameron Merchant mm. uh, from Manly on uh, Married at First Sight, yeah. mm. and yep. you might play a bit of twos mm. uh, and ones, uh, or at, at ones at a shit club, or let it go mm. and play a bit of country stuff on Syntho and get like huge. Amounts of attention through the local paper, mm. which I imagine would be quite good. Mm. You know what I mean? What's his name? So it'd be a big fish Finn. in a small pond. Finn Parker. Yeah, plays for like the Oxley Pirates. You know, and it could it could be like uh, you know, Finn has pirates with one eye on title. Right. Those kind of North Shore Times headlines. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Because he could, could plunder runs yeah. against um, fat but limp-wristed older men. And in those kind of mm. like yeah, small country town newspapers, they do profiles on you and you get your photo and a, and a write-up you know, once a season. Well, I'm surprised you haven't played more park cricket in that respect, mm. Dave. What, As a plunderer of runs against limp-wristed juniors. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> You've like tilted your entire body towards me expecting an answer and I have nothing. Um, okay, thank you so much for all the people who have written in. I think there is going to come a time, and it's going to be shortly, because there's not many uh, episodes left of the podcast left for this season uh, before you know the UK season kicks off. But um, but there probably will come a time where we're just going to do a hashtag RCGC special because there are so many coming in. So please write your journal entries. Shorter ones are also good, especially for the TV show, so get those in as well. Thank you so much to Glenn Maxwell, to Ben Jones, Sam Perry, Dave Edwards, Ian Higgins here signing off. We'll see you next week. <laughs>